It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome back in, everybody. No Shot Clock podcast is back after a short delay, mostly due to my fault, Mike. Uh, I had some unforeseen travel that I needed to take as well. I and Mike, I got the flu for the first time about 17 years. Uh, <laughs> so I was down out for the count for a couple days, bad flu. And then after that, people... I don't know if you realize how difficult sometimes it is for, <laughs> tough for Mike and I to connect, especially with all everything going on with the Chicago Public League playoffs. I've got work to do during the day, day job. Mike's going, we're going to games. And anyway, it, it became a mute point after about Thursday uh, and Friday and the, we got into the playoffs. So we I apologize, especially for missing the week, but we are back here with a We'll have a little rewind here, Mike, of what was a fantastic Chicago Public League playoffs, which we'll talk and dive into quite a bit here. Yeah, it was fun. I I wish I would have been able to see maybe the white or the blue or some other uh, things on that championship week, but it kind of didn't work out. That'd be the one change I'd make. I don't. They had like the I don't remember if it was the white or the, I think it was the white championship the same day as the quarterfinals of the red, like the same time, so that. If they would kind of switch that maybe with the girls, I think that'd be ideal because I would like to cover that in the future. That would be a fun game. But uh, let's start out with our we're going to do our two takes. Then we'll talk a little bit about the city playoffs and then we will go into the kind of feature segment, which is kind of about some of the winners for this season. Um, Now that last week, this is it. Last week of the regular season. Regular season winners. Yes. Regular season winners. Um, Go ahead, Mike. Start with your take. Yep. It is going to be about Marshall. Went out and saw a Marshall-North Lawndale game. This is about two weeks ago now. But uh, they're an interesting group. Uh, two good bigs. Um, Jajuan Kozark. He's a 6'6 senior. I think he's probably the best unknown player in the city. He was pretty spectacular in the game. It was at North Lawndale. He had 29 points and 13 rebounds. And he did that making 10 of 14 shots. It was not. He's not a chucker. Um and boy, he's an athlete too. You know, the shot's a little funny looking, you know, it goes in though. And his free throws go in, which is always impressive for a big. And that's going to be important for Marshall making this run in class one, a, which they should be able to do a uh, Joel Brown was the other big they have. Their guards aren't super high level. They're competent. So it's an interesting team kind of led by the bigs, but they're going to be able to make a, a definite run in one. A. I wasn't, I thought they were going to be able to based on the scores they had this season. But, you know, once you see them, it's a lot more uh, convincing, I guess. They did lose that game to North Lawndale. It was a good one. And uh, I was looking at their road and, I mean, Class 1A, when you call up that bracket, I don't know how many of you have, (laughs) but, I mean. You were breaking down the 1A brackets over the weekend? Yeah, I don't know where to begin. I mean, like, Marshall is in the Elgin sectional with – Schomburg Christian, Hinkley Big Rock, Marshall. It's just like, there's no geographic. It's just Northern Illinois, basically, in this Elgin sectional. And every single, in the state, everybody plays on Saturday. 
they're all playing games basically. So like half of one a is going to be done. The playoffs will be over for half of one a on Saturday night. Has there ever been a little, little 10 Chicago public league postseason showdown? (laughs) There's yeah, I do not know, but it is going to be Marshall at least has the regional. So they don't got to travel. Um, that, that was good to see. So they'll get to play some home games there. But I was actually talking to Craig Anderson, too, um, at the Public League title game. and Because I thought maybe they'd be shifting this the, uh, the like breakoff numbers for the classes since there's so many 1A schools. But he that's not in the plans. So mm. Well, we go from your small school Public League to up back up to 4A. And, you know, during the Public League playoffs, and we're going to talk a little bit more specifically about the playoffs in a few minutes. But... You know, Simeon at Kenwood, deservedly so, grabbed a lot of the headlines, as well as Perspectives Leadership's um, run to, you know, unprecedented run to the, to the where, where they ended up in the in the semis. You know, Curie was in there. Um, it, 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 this seems like it's a common trend over, I don't know, however many years. But oftentimes, Whitney Young, uh, the old Dolphins are kind of left out of the conversation at times during the season. They everybody knows they play this schedule that you know it takes them out of the state quite often, um, and they also play a, put together a rugged schedule every single year. And I, I'm not saying they're not competitive and they don't want to win. I'm just saying that they do tend to have more losses in the regular season, pile up on them a little bit. And it's just, it's statistically, the data supports that. And I look at young, really no, not much talk of them in, in the public league playoffs because they, they had a tough early game that they lost. Uh, and then you start thinking, Mike, and it's, all right, it's kind of their time of the year now. Uh, <laughs> if you just look historically, you know, last year they had eight, nine losses. I think they had eight losses or nine. No, they had nine losses going into the postseason, and they uh, made it all the way to the state championship game. It wasn't a shocker that they did, but, again, they they tend to be out of the limelight at times. Um, you know, I, I, I went through some of their state championships, you know, in 2017-18 even. They had seven losses going to the postseason. They went all the way to finish second in the state. If you remember the COVID year where – uh, they had eight or nine losses in the regular season, and they they beat Simeon, I believe, or no, who they beat in that sectional game? We were both at it, I think, at Lions Township, uh, and they it made to the yeah. yeah, and they went to a sectional final. I think they were going to play. I don't even know, maybe Curie. My point is, Whitney, this is Whitney Young's time. They, they've really become a program and a team, and under Tyrone Slaughter, that has really, really done well come postseason time in March, regional sectionals, getting to getting to Peoria, getting to Champaign. And I know people haven't forgotten about them, but I'm just saying that this is the time of the year where Whitney Young tends to rise to the occasion. Uh, and they've got a heck of a grind of a road in the sectional that's absolutely stockpiled with with ranked teams and 20 win teams and it's going to be tough but uh what young we know will be ready the um yeah boy it was i don't know what to think of whitney young at this point i'm very puzzled i was very puzzled by that curie demolishing 
this week. I mean, it's weird. I've seen them down by 20 twice. In each of the last two games I've covered them, they were down by 18 or 20 at one point, which it'll be interesting to see uh, how they – because it's funny because they do have a pretty good record this year. They're, they're only got five losses, right? It's like this is one of their right. better – uh, yeah, and, and, and six, I guess. Yeah. Well, and then last year, I mean, in the latter part of the season, now they did go and win a city title, you know, last year. But yeah, you know, they got beat up by Vashon. They they lost to Bishop Gore, Bishop Gorman by like thirty or forty. They lost to Glenbard West by you know eighteen or twenty. They're down twenty plus, and and at that time, I was even saying, I don't know, I don't know what I think of this, and. They put that run together. Now they did win that um, city championship last year, which quieted any kind of critics or doubts. But yeah, I, I just—it's just one team, a one program, where I, I I literally need to almost fictitiously just rip out a page of the the regular season and just all right, fresh start, wipe my hands clean of what happened and transpired, and boom. We start up, and we'll see. Now the number one seed in in this sectional. Yeah, be uh be fun them against Hinsdale Central at Hinsdale Central in that title game if that works out. Um, my second take here is gonna be on Curie, who got that nice win against Young and gave Simeon literally all it could handle in the uh the semi. And I think a lot of I don't, I've been struggling with the best way to say this, what I what I mean, but I think you can make a a case that Curie is now the best program in the Chicago Public League. And by that, I mean they produce their own players and the role players know the Curie way they want to play and they are more kind of than some of their parts and they don't rely on transfer stars and it's, I mean, you look at the the group that played this year's team, they do have tr- two significant transfers that come off the bench, Christian Brockett from Leo and Sherrod Dent from um, Notre Dame. But among the starters, maybe you could call a FOMA one. He, he hasn't, didn't really play anywhere else though, like for varsity, but that would be it. And if you look back the last few years, you know, most of their star players have been there the whole time. You know, there is the Marquise Walker, you know, came in from Joe's and all that. They do get transfers like everybody does. But I'm, I mean, you, you look at Young and Simeon and the other ones, and they're basically led by transfer stars from other teams for the last while. So it's pretty impressive what Mike Oliver and Kiri have been doing. I don't think it really gets mentioned much at all. It, they're just not looked upon that way for whatever reason. And I think we saw this week, you know, with, with those guys and, and the way some of them have been playing, like Sean Brown and some of the other guys. I mean, they, it, they're just producing at such a high level with a top five team every year that isn't as dependent on the transfers as a lot of schools. My last count, Public League semifinals, four teams of the 20 starters. How many did you think transferred? Off the oh, top of your head. Oh, boy. Um so it's what? How many players? Uh, for twenty players. Good, um, good Juliet math. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Uh, I'm gonna say twelve. Sixteen. Oh wow. Sixteen of twenty. Uh, maybe I was incorrect in reviewing it in my head right now, but uh, I had sixteen of twenty starters in the public league semifinals. So you counted a Foma as one. Then were were transfers. Yeah. yeah, I mean he didn't play anywhere else. So I don't think of. Well. 
You know what I mean? On varsity. That's why I didn't count it. But yeah. So it would be basically be just Curie's team. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's crazy. So, um, <laughs> boy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And wait, did Michael Ratliff? He didn't. I think he's just from Simeon and he started. He hasn't been a starter all year, but. So, well, they had, if we want to go through them all, but. No, but yeah, I, I think Michael Ratliff's a, not a transfer, is he? I don't believe so. I don't think I had him on my list. Yeah, and he started. Um, Which to me, he, he's so good off the bench. I remember that because I'm, I don't know, his role as a starter. Anyway, yeah, that's that's wild. So. You know, we've been talking a lot about public league here, and I'm going to continue my – we're going to just kind of roll with this. But what I found interesting, Mike, is there's there's one winner in the postseason of the, going into the postseason, the public league, among the big four. Jerry Simeon, Young, Kenwood, they all n- knock each other around all winter long. I, I tallied up all the scores of their games and the big four. Curie went two and three. Young went one and two. Kenwood went three and two. Simeon went three and two. There has just been a lot of parody that you and I have talked about. And it just has continued in the upper echelon of the Chicago Public League. And not only are those records, I mean, like nobody's dominating. There's two of the four of losing records, obviously, and Kenwood and Simeon are three and two, but just the the games. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you look at Kenwood. Kenwood beat Young forty-six to forty-four. They lost to Young fifty-eight to fifty-five. They beat they beat Curie seventy-three to seventy in overtime. They beat Simeon forty-six to forty-three. They lost to Simeon in overtime. I mean, that that's those are five just high-level, down to the wire, different types of games. Each one of them, uh, and you go on and on. Same with Curie. I mean, Curie and Simeon. Played in the four overtimes. Uh, You know, it's just, it it is just a a remarkable season in the Chicago Public League that I think, I thought last year stunk. Uh, I I just think we talk so much about Glenbard West and they just dominated the public league teams. And that was because I'm not taking anything away from Glenbard West. They deserve, they, We've talked a ton about them, how great they are. They were. But those public league teams last year just were not your typical. I know Young finished second in the state, but they just weren't your. I I think I could make an argument that three of the four, if not all four, probably not Young. But you could maybe make an argument that Young is close to being as good. But Kenwood, Simeon, Curie, I mean, they're all better than last year and they're better than all the public teams of a year ago so the winner is going to be Simeon because they don't have to play any of them ever again <laughs> the rest of the year unless you're yeah you know matched up with Hyde Park which they've taken care of in the sectional or they took care of in the regular season they would pair up in a potential matchup in the sectional but again we're going to go in the postseason and guess who's all on a collision course Curie Young Kenwood uh we just I just pointed out just how what a war and a grind 
those teams have gone have played against one another all season long, and it went right through the Chicago Public League playoffs uh, and really shined a, a light because they usually get a lot of these high-profile games, big-time matchups, and they fizzle. We thought that was going to happen in the Public League Championship when Ken was just getting buried. Simeon's playing a perfect three quarters. They're up by 20. And it's like, okay, this this is kind of a lemon. This is kind of a buzzkill of, of what has been a great city tournament and some great city basketball this year. And poof, we got it. Fourth quarter. Uh, un, a remarkable comeback and another overtime. Yeah, it was a, one of those things where obviously Simeon won the city. Um, there were plenty of doubts about them headed into this, you know, 10 days, two weeks stretch. And they pretty much firmly took care of those. But boy, I leave thinking so much higher of Kenwood and Curie. You know, I thought, every, I think they all kind of won, you know, after this Kenwood, I thought, I mean, obviously the comeback was great, but they were very solid all week and they're getting production from guys that weren't doing so much during the year. They're clearly better and growing as a team. I do think it is hilarious though. How, when, uh, you know, Mike Irvin, he kind of developed a, ro- a rotation there with like, you know, his high school players, you know, guys who aren't, necessarily college stars that are starting you know a couple guys in the starting lineup like dueling and mosley but when things go bad and they're down by a lot every time i've seen it mike throws that out the window and he goes with the aau team <laughs> and it is riddle out there and isaiah green comes in he literally just kind of puts his five most talented guys in the court and those are the guys who got him back in to that so i'm kind of fascinated to see how that'll um play out if michael switch back and go with the uh kind of, you know, his five most talented guys instead of, you know, kind of the matchups he was using before. And Curie, boy, I mean, Carlos Harris taking a real step forward. Simeon was able to slow him down. He just wouldn't stop going to the rim against the Rubens, and, and it didn't go well. But, you know, he'll he'll figure that out. And they don't, as you said, they don't got to worry about them before. But, I mean, you can l- legitimately see Curie or Kenwood winning state, can't you? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think any one of these three teams uh, that will, can get down there, and or I should say will get down there, I think one of those three will be the team. I have concerns, and again, I'm going into that basketball matchup stuff, and well, Kenwood, the, 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 the concern with Kenwood is in the half court. They, they just, they do have trouble. You saw it for three quarters against Simeon when it was slowed down a bit. They have some trouble scoring in the half court. They aren't the the best. They're a very streaky shooting team. I actually think Alex Alston was a big loss for them because of his ability to stretch the floor and his injury, the sophomore, the six, nine, he was just coming on getting hot. So when you saw the, all the Kenwood comeback was they're They're going to have to thrive based on getting live ball turnovers, getting in transition and staying out of the half court because that's that's what happened against Simeon. Uh, you know, I thought Simeon played terrible in the first Kenwood matchups uh, and still only lost by three or two or whatever that score was. And it was because it was just a slow down half court game. So that's my concern with Kenwood. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I if Kenwood won a state title, I wouldn't be shocked. But if 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 somebody's able to take care of the ball and keep the pace slow, uh, Kenwood has shown that they have a little bit of difficulty navigating that. And I think with Curie, I think I, I think they need that type of play out of their star. 
I, I like their team. They've got some losses that I think people that jumps out at people because they have so many losses, but their schedule's been unbelievable. And I've said this other years, I've said it plenty of times in the podcast. I always like to look at teams where, at the, especially at this moment, when you can look back, you hope they're playing at their best and reach their ceiling at this time of the year. It's not always the case, but I always like to be able to go back and think of when I saw them playing their absolute best and is that good enough? And in the, in the case of each one of these you know, teams we're talking about, I, I believe their best is good enough to get to state and win a state title. Yeah, it'll be. I, Kenwood clearly had Simeon came out with that, like a triangle and two defense, and it completely just ruined Kenwood in the half court. It sounds like Rob Smith said they like worked on it this week. They hadn't played it all year, um, so Mike Irvin had no idea that was coming. I'm guessing, and I wonder if it's something they might see again um, in the playoffs. I'm sure. I mean, that game was on TV, so every coach <laughs> in the place probably watched it. So that'll be fascinating. Because yeah, you're right. An awful lot is on Day Day Ames. Um, Mm-hmm. He basically has to do everything in those. Half well, yeah, that. yeah, and 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 that's where you know it, it extends into their perimeter shooting. He's their best shooter. He can be streaky though with it. And yeah. um, you know, I, I, the other thing that people don't realize, I think you and I do, and I think the city guys do, is just how well all these by this time, especially, and have having played against one another for years. Not so much Mike Irvin's teams, but. Uh, just how well they know each other. <laughs> you know, you talk to these coaches off the record and just in casual conversation, not for quotes and things like that. It's 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 interesting to have them discuss the matchups and discuss what they're going to do uh, stylistically, X's and O's, both leading up to the game and then, hey, if we play them again. So it, it, it's fun to listen because they do know each other. They know the personnel, and that extends all the way to knowing them in the offseason in the case of Tyrone Slaughter and um, Mike Irvin with, with some AAU coaching. So there is so much familiarity. You ready to do this uh, regular season winners? Yeah, I mean, I, I, real quick, I know you talked about it, Mike. Um, just real quick, the, the publicly playoffs I, were, were – everybody was so positive about what they what transpired. And we talked about it on our podcast, I believe, two weeks ago – where we pointed out, you pointed out the the great um, email and and the promotion of the yeah, event the website, yeah. and the website, and I think that's where it always starts for whether it's an event, a star tournament, a a league, whatever, is the organization. And you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to dilly dally around the issues of the public league's organization in the past. It's it's been poor and sometimes awful and just not knowing when they're playing, who they're playing or, or what day they're playing or what are facility or arena or what time. And they did a great job and that lends itself to having a good event and kudos to them to, to, to get that going this year and, and hopefully going forward, it just keeps building off of that. Yeah. It's, people had such a good experience that I'm sure we'll have even more. And people that watched it on TV will probably want to come next year. There was more than, they didn't have a final total for me, but yesterday uh, CPS told me it was, they had more than 5,000 fans for sure. Um, which is fantastic. And uh, UIC fits. It just, it was a nice atmosphere. Um, that That's 
Maybe well, the loca- the, the location and the location is is ideal. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't beat it. So you know, I it, it was just a, an event and game games and you throw these overtimes and a dramatic comeback and uh, it was just a huge win. Uh, as we lead into our regular season winners uh, of this regular season, just a couple of topics that we're going to talk about, and uh, you can kick it off. The shot clock. Yeah, I, I think Win- uh, winner. <laughs> yes, um, I think everybody knows that I've been kind of. I could it wasn't a big deal to me either way. Um, although two weeks ago, I think I may have been broken <laughs> and I might be ready for the shot clock. But the point of this is why it is a winner is because it was you know introduced. We had it at some shootouts and tournaments, and I would say for the gosh ninety five or higher percent, it all went great. Um, people seemed to like it. There were no problems with it. I was at like one event that had an issue, but it, it wasn't a big deal. So I, and, and I think everybody was very curious to see how it would go. I don't think it affected things as much as I hoped it would. And I didn't think it was going to affect. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Still sure about its effectiveness. I don't think it mattered. I think I've seen it go off twice in a game that I, it might be hurried a couple shots, but it's a winner. I, I, people like it. There was no issues with it. And it's, going to be here in maybe two years i think we heard yeah we'll see and you know again if everybody's looking for massive point total increases no that's not what's going to happen uh because like you said the the clocks they don't most teams most of them are, are getting their shots up before the shot clock anyway uh but it's also plenty of games i've watched in my head now as we talked about in the podcast where you know we get into 45 second possessions it, it does. It does happen. And I, and I, I may not have seen it in the shot clock, but that's maybe because there was a shot clock yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then the end of games, I, I, there's no question But the winner for me, the, the reason it's a big winner for me is just the positive feedback I heard across the board. There are some people that go off on Twitter and make some irrational comments about the shot clock. But uh, anyway, it, it, it is, um, uh, one of the winners of the regular season, an opportunity to experience it was big for the for the sport. Um, you know, our second winner, and, and I think this is just going to carry over, Mike, into the state tournament when regionals and sectionals start. Well, fingers crossed, I hope. Uh, the, the high school basketball atmosphere returned. The atmosphere in high school gyms was a big winner. And with COVID, when it hit, obviously it, it, it changed everything and we – we just kind of crawled out of that with getting back in the gyms, filling them back up. But we have talked about it here periodically throughout the course of the season, whether it be holiday tournaments, uh, you know, the event when sides collide, we talked about just jamming people in there uh, with some fabulous. I did not go to either one of these games, but the photos of this past uh, weekend of Lions Township and Hinsdale Central at LT and LaGrange was was everything that high school basketball is about. Um, I, I there was a game at Hinsdale Central. It might have been LT at eight eight Hinsdale Central, yeah. maybe. Same thing. Public league playoff games. Um, the city final. It, it's just been a, a terrific year for a rebirth and in, in in fandom in high school basketball in gyms and both in conference games and I've been to, I don't know. I've just been to a lot of games where there's been great crowds. Yeah. I think um talking to fans 
And it's interesting because I wasn't sure how this was going to go over. You know, online ticketing has become a pretty accepted thing. And it sounds like that's been a real positive. And, you know, fans have explained to me, you know, that was a big game. We knew it was going to be close to a sellout. Having to go there and wait in line and not be sure if you're going to get in. It just sometimes you'd say, oh, I'm going to pass. When you know you have a ticket, <laughs> you know, in advance, it, it makes all the difference. And I talked to a lot of fans who that was a huge step for them to know they can get into a game because it wasn't like, you know, college or pro sports before you weren't sure you had to get there early. It was a whole mess. You can show up now at game time and know you're going to get in. And I think that's definitely helped out the fan experience. Yeah. And um, I just, I just hope we continue to see. I'm a little leery because I don't like some of the sites and the geographical sites of some of these sectionals i think it's going to impact a little bit not in all cases but there are some that's gonna be like eh, the vibe's gonna be killed because of it uh <laughs> and you know i that those are these are the games i love to go into the most i love sectional games more than any any games all season long are are, are the sectional games and high school gyms uh and i hope that continues here that type of atmosphere yeah, admit it, Joe. I'll admit it. We're not a big fan of a lot of the sectional gyms, <laughs> especially right. No, it's, it's they're they're not great. No, <laughs> so it's, it's and and it, it, it takes away. I mean, from yeah. from from everything. So we'll see. Um, good for them on for wanting to host it, though. The more I hear, schools just do not want to host stuff anymore. So mm-hmm. it's not their fault. Their gyms aren't great. At least they stepped up, you know, and wanted to uh to host it. So b- bully for them. Uh, next up. Uh, another winner. We always rave about it. People are probably tired of us raving about it, but uh, Pontiac Holiday Tournament. I don't know if you saw over the weekend, they picked up St. Rita. Uh, Warren is leaving. So that's a, I thought that was an interesting move personally, that it was Warren, not some other teams, but mm-hmm. Warren is the one that moves on, but St. Rita joins and it, I mean, the best holiday tournament in the state just got even better. And it's, you know, there is not a, currently a Chicago Catholic league team. So that's kind of a nice new addition as well. And if everyone stays at St. Rita, they're going to be, you know, likely preseason number one, who knows? We'll see how things go, but what a get for Pontiac. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying there's, well, no, I am. There there are some questions about Simeon and and their, in their future uh, without Robert Smith, without a, if you, if you look kind of at their, roster uh, up and down the program it's nowhere near as talented as it's been and i'm not going to say that there's falling off the face of the earth but you know with with some questions not being maybe not simeon being what we accustomed them to being at pontiac adding a saint rita's is, is huge you know you're, you're getting uh high profile players which pontiac's been all about over so many years and they've done a continued to done a great they continue to do a great job uh, geographical representation. You just mentioned the, the, the Chicago Catholic League not being represented there. Uh, so there's that's just a, a another feather in their cap. You know, Simeon is coming back, even with Robert Smith leaving. So that's it's a big in season win for Pontiac uh, holiday tournament. And then our, our last winner, I, I kind of Mike and I talked about this prior to the podcast, just if there was one team that was a really regular season winner and we haven't talked a ton about them, it's Hillcrest. Don Houston's Hillcrest team, anytime you lose, 
two Division One players, and <laughs> yeah, that's crazy in the in the off season. Um, Isaiah Green left Hillcrest, the standout junior, after a very good sophomore season last year. He left, headed to Kenwood. Uh, Matt Moore, the big man, who's going to UNC Wilmington, had a nice summer. Six eight six nine, big man left to go to Joliet West, and here we are. Uh, with a season that I, I mean, it was interesting, Mike, when I talked to Don Houston following those moves, um, not to get into specifics of everything he said, but he didn't seem bothered by it I, in terms of the concern going forward with his team. And geez, they're 25 and three and with some good wins under their belt and heading into class three, a with a legitimate shot of, of winning it all. I, I I don't think they're going to win state, but I like their path. I think they're going to make a deep run. And once you get that deep into the state tournament, anything can happen. So uh, I, I just think they're a huge winner uh, this regular season. We'll probably jinx them now. They'll get upset in the, <laughs> in the regional, but well, I, I think they I, got their upset out of the way this week. Um, yeah. I, I, I was, I talked with it was a classic down Houston set. I because I checked in with him up after that because it's such a the score was shocking. <laughs> yes, uh, they lost to TF North 84 to 64 for listeners. Yeah, yeah, and he just said it was their one lemon and it was their game to kind of kind of gather that bring them back down to earth and a wake up call for them and just kind of what the doctor ordered. So I, I like Hillcrest's path. I like the run they're going to have coming up here in the next two weeks. I like how in the four class era, when a team takes a bad loss at the la- end of the season, we're all like, Oh, this is a good reboot. They'll go in right in the two class era. Be like, well, scratch them off. They can't win state. Yeah, <laughs> it's <yeah>. all over. <laughs> That's how we used to act. And now it's totally changed. Cause I agree. I, they probably needed a reboot after the season they'd had. And um, and I think they're going to gonna play TF North in the playoffs probably too. Yeah, I mean, TF North will play Kankakee in a regional final most yeah. likely in the, with the winner playing Hillcrest. So that'd be interesting to uh, – a, a rematch. But the sectional at Hillcrest. So that's going to be a, a, a big plus for for the Hawks as well. Nice gym. When I, kind of an underrated favorite of mine. I enjoy the uh, Hillcrest gym. That'll be a happening mm-hmm. place for that sectional, no doubt about it. Um, I'm going to, uh, it's an interesting week. I'm going to get out and, um, I haven't seen Nequa and, uh, DeKalb yet. I'm going to check them out, uh, Tuesday and it's, is it in DeKalb? No, I wish. Ah, yeah. poor, poor, poor Mike. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I almost <laughs> went, I was thinking about Wakanda, Grays Lake Central, you know, Wakanda's got a good player and Grays Lake Central had a great season, but I need to see Nequa. They're probably maybe the best team I haven't. Uh, seen this season so i'm gonna get out there and check that out it's an interesting week for de la salle who i kind of awkwardly shoehorned into the podcast like two or three weeks ago because i feel like we needed to talk about them and they've boy they've lived up to that i've been playing really well lately and they've got um marion catholic and kenwood this week so we'll we'll learn an awful lot about de la salle i'll probably be at the marion catholic game on if that's thursday because that's another team that's playing well lately back in the rankings and i'm kind of interested to see 
um, when Marian Catholic's looking like this week. And then uh, Friday, I'm going to go out and check out Burlington Central. have not seen them yet this year. They play Huntley, who's a number one seed in their sectional. And I, I did see Huntley um, this season. They, they were a fun team to watch. So excited to get a look at uh, Drew Sharnowski and Burlington Central. Um, whole new group uh, from what I saw last year other than Sharnowski. And then Saturday, Joe, I don't know what to do. It's, it's weird with all the playing games and whatever. I might go see the Proviso West freshman. I haven't even looked at Saturday. Yeah, it's a weird one. There's nothing super great. I might also just go to Juliet Central because I haven't been there in two years. But um, and then yeah. next next week we'll be talking. Oh regionals. boy! Oh boy! Regionals. It it is here. Yeah, the weather makes it feel like it's already March and state right. championship time. But yeah, it's all gonna get going. Um, I have not dived into the brackets that good yet, so I'm gonna do that probably over the next couple of days, and we will get. It's going to be a regional preview next week, huh? Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week.